Hello and welcome to the Top Red Podcast with me and Josh this week. How's it going, Josh? Hello, yeah, I'm all, I'm all right. I hope everyone listening's all right and haven't got too um, depressed about the season so far. Well, yeah, so this is the first pod that we're doing yeah. since before the Bournemouth game. Um, We're hopefully getting in a bit of a constant uh, schedule. I mean, the, World Cup, the World Cup's ruined it, hasn't it? Let's face it. Well, yeah, it's just that it's it, it's just. I mean, I came to the realization that it's just pretty much non-stop now. Yeah, it <laughs> with is. the midweek games as well, so it's quite hard to actually do a podcast schedule around. I'm actually really looking forward to the international break. I, uh, I'm looking forward to the international break purely from a Liverpool perspective. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Um, I've been I, I was begging for it on Twitter yesterday, then come to the realization that it's going to be delayed. Um. Is it the October? Is it October, or is it at the end of September? Uh, I, th- I, th- I think it is relatively soon. That is one yeah. relatively soon. But they talked about Henderson um, missing the England games. Late run. So, and he's out for September, isn't he? So I presume it's somewhere in September. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think Henderson was going to get an England squad or anything anyway. Um. So I don't think that really affects him. It just gets him back in the Liverpool quicker. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, well, to be fair, I that mean, so we're recording this the day bread. before the Napoli game and it looks as though James Milner's going to start. So... Don't. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, whether or not he starts with the new boy, Arthur. Or... You know what? I, I, I'm actually really happy that game's first because it's the worst game. It is the worst game, and it's one of them you don't want to have to rely on a result at Napoli away. So I'm delighted it's happening now. Just being uh, a complete joke, seeing the, the official club channels tweeting all day about yeah, how to be safe yeah, going to a football saying, match. It's basically saying don't go. Yeah, like after after what happened in Paris, our first European away game it is, is one that's just absolutely littered with safety alerts from the club about... Mm-hmm. How to stay safe and 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 it's it's absolutely bizarre that UEFA seem to feel no duty of care towards away fans. Um, enough to I do, actually I, get this sorted. I just don't. I don't know what UEFA can do though. They're not the police. I you know I understand that, but surely like there's some. There's I mean, some kind I, of there has to be a fo- there has to be a sporting punishment, I think. Yeah, but there, there's got to be something that they can impose against yeah. them, because it's just it's it's literally the only city in yeah. the world where this well in the world sorry in Europe that this seems to happen. Um, I mean the the guys I go to always with they go all the European always as well. Um, and Nap- Napoli is always one that sticks out to them. They go all over the place, and, and it's always like Napoli. It's just such a ball ache. You you've got to get to, down to the port about five hours before kickoff. You've got then got to get shepherded into the ground, on stuff like that, and then you've got to get in the ground. The ground's absolutely shit all. <laughs> then you've got to watch us against Napoli away, which, which is, is going to be horrendous, sure in itself. And then yeah, it just doesn't sound like a pleasant experience. At least this time they don't have Ancelotti. I mean, well, that's only. They're a little bit more idealistic as a team. I, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen us come up against the Spalletti side, to be honest. No. Maybe we... Did, did we play Roma? the Roma side in the early yeah. 2000s? May have done. May have done. 
I can't remember um, when he was in charge of Roma, to be honest. I think it was relatively early 2000s, wasn't it? Because he was the one who liberated Totti, to an extent. He, did he take over from Capello? I think he may have. 05. 05 to 09. Don't think we played um, Roma then, do we? Yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm not too Europe. sure, to be honest. They weren't really in Europe when he was... As an Inter, um, when he was in charge of them. Yeah, no, Italian football isn't quite my... Did, did we play Zenit between 09 and 14? We might have. I think we did, didn't we? I think we 20, did, yeah. 2012? Yeah, we did play Zenit Europa in the League. Europa League, didn't we? So, yeah, we have played them then, obviously, once or twice, because it was a knockout, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, it was a Europa League knockout well, game, I think, wasn't even, it? Even if it was a group stage, you'd have played them twice. That makes no difference if it was knockout. So, yeah, we played them. We obviously played a Spalletti team. Um, that was under the dog shagger himself, extraordinaire. 2013, um, we were knocked out. Yeah, we got beat by them, didn't we? Yeah, we lost on away goals. Lost on away goals because the dog shaggers are twat. Well, the dog shaggers... Um, getting sacked. Getting sacked, by the way. By the way, things are looking, but yeah, I guess we've got to talk about the derby. Um, I think we can throw Bournemouth to the side. Um, well, Bournemouth is the outlier. Um, Newcastle, Newcastle was a game funny. that I didn't actually feel like we won, despite the way we won. Well, I think when you look at the, see, I I, I like the whole the stats thing of the game. So the first half that was really, it was again a case of Liverpool huffing and puffing, and then. I think we discussed this before, didn't we? Liverpool, if they don't get that early goal in the first 20 minutes, it becomes very laborious. It, it replayed itself again, um, which could happen because I thought, but what worried me a little bit was that Newcastle weren't banking in in a back five and a midfield four. Um, Newcastle were leaving quite a lot of space in behind and we were still struggling. We had that one chance, I think, where Diaz, Diaz put it over the bar. It was probably the only really good bit of play in that first half. It was a really nice move, actually. Uh, Firmino's pass to Diaz, it was what we wanted that, you know, your, your wide players coming into the middle as, you, as your striker drops a bit deep, that was that was good and I think one thing that did come from that Bournemouth game that I thought was transposed into the Newcastle one was was Firmino not being completely high up but was was not dropping into that sixth position as much as he was against Manchester United, obviously that had been highlighted quite a lot, not just from ourselves, not the, the only place you should come to for your, your Liverpool-based analysis but um. It had been quite, it had been widespread that Firmino was dropping too deep and leaving space that was not being vague, uh, not being used by anybody else. So it was quite nice in that Bournemouth game to see Firmino more as a as a number nine, more of a, a a more creative nine, which is what he has done. I don't like the the term false nine. I don't like the fact that Liverpool have actually used it because I think when in that glory period for him, that 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 purple patch he had for two years, he was a he wasn't out and out nine. He he was the he led the line. He just dropped deep in possession, which I think a lot of lone strikers in a four three three do. I don't I don't think he reinvented the position. He may have reinvented how well it was played because he was you know second to none. You know pressing backwards and and forcing mistakes from from the centre back. So that was the one takeaway from the Newcastle and Bournemouth games that I quite liked was Firmino and his positioning. But again, it all seemed a little bit, little bit lethargic. And you said before we came on that 
um, when Liverpool get in a rut, you think like, you're, you're saying the same thing over and over again, but it has to be said. But this time we had that little bit of of an edge in that second half. I thought second half, it, we've obviously won that second half two nil. It didn't feel like we were on top really. It was a it was a game we dominated without feeling threatening. Um, for me, his goal comes from nothing really. It's a it's a good move, and it was the first time in that half that we were playing quick, forward, and direct. And obviously when we say direct, we don't just mean long balls from the back to the strikers, but direct through midfield. You know, that worked. I think I said something along the lines on Twitter just saying, oh, shock horror, We first time we play direct and quick and into the box and get numbers forward, we, we score. Um, and the call at the end is, is sweet. You know, Newcastle have time-wasted their way through the whole game. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, it was very, very clear that the added time was correct. It always seems to be against Liverpool that people seem to forget you can add time on in additional time. Um, but it was a lovely feeling, obviously, Carvalho's first goal. He, he, he loved it. He played really well again when he came on. Did he start, actually? No, he didn't start. He came on, didn't he, Carvalho? Um, yeah, he came off the bench again. Yeah. Started he against started, Everton. He started Everton, yeah. So it's just that was a really good. It was a good feeling. It's one of those wins that you you kind of forget about how bad the other ninety seven minutes was because of what happened in that ten seconds. But it it just seems to be another result that papered over cracks. Um, to be fair, Newcastle didn't create anything second half apart from uh, Isaac's second goal that was disallowed. But. You know, I remember that Newcastle game last year where we went one nil down to Shelby, and we hammered them. Like it was a constant threat. It was a it was a barrage, and we seem to have just lost that a little bit. And I don't know what it is. I I can't put my finger on it. Something is off with Liverpool. Like off, off. Um, there's no intensity, which you know is so ironic after the splash we all got in pre-season of a certain book being released. Um, but yeah, there's no intensity anywhere. And I think that's the the real th- difficult thing to take is that I, I wouldn't mind if we were, you know, really solid defensively, but just not breaking teams down. You can accept that because there's obviously there's that will, but the intensity in defence isn't there. The intensity in attack is just non-existent. The midfield is non-existent. I Let's fair, Liverpool won't be like this all season. It, it, they'll get it right. Klopp, Klopp and Linders and Kravitz aren't idiots. They're not asking the team to play like this. They just need to put their finger on what it is that's causing what seems to be just a general malaise. And the malaise is now with the supporters is now turning quite toxic as it always does. Um, but you're starting to see people who, you know, normally support, incredibly supportive, are starting just to get a little bit short about it quite patience is wearing a little bit thin with just mediocrity you go to Everton and let's face it it's a team that is not good they're not a good Everton team um and we didn't do the basics in that game in terms of you know keeping the ball I thought the, the first 30 minutes was the shoddiest 30 minutes we've had all season we weren't really threatened apart from them hitting the post thought we dealt with them all right but it just all seemed I know we've all, we've all we've heard about how we love organised chaos. That just seemed 
chaos. Yeah, it's Everton on the board. Yeah. I, don't you, I don't know what you think, but I just thought there didn't seem to be. It seemed to be like they knew what the plan was, but they had no idea how to execute it. I think. I think the. Slight positive, I guess, out the Everton game was that everything Everton got seemed to be through an individual error on our part, or they had that break from the corner, which I think the individual error was Jurgen Klopp bringing Milner on. Well, it wasn't just that; it was Joe Gomez going asleep in the middle of the box, which people seem to have forgotten. But um, we move. Um, but I, I think against Newcastle, Newcastle actually carved out the you know good chances through just good play. Yeah. Um, you know the goal was they they drew Van Dijk out. Fabinho doesn't fill a space and Isak moves into the space and scores. It's it was a good move by Newcastle, but I think. But I think again, it just highlights that general malaise. You say you've got Fabinho and Henderson just watching. Well, yeah, they, they, they shouldn't really be able to get through that part of midfield. I agree with what you're saying. Um, especially when you've got Henderson on that side as well. If it was on the other side and you've got that they've gotten in behind Elliot, maybe you could be a bit more forgiven. But the fact that they got in behind um, on that other side was a bit more unforgiven. Um, but I do, th- I do feel like there's quite a few players that have just kind of been thrown under the bus by the way we're playing, Fabinho being one of them. Don't get me wrong, we've we've spoken on the pod that he just hasn't been good enough. And he, he hasn't. Like Individual decisions that he's made have been poor. Like, for example, letting Eze just walked mm. past him yeah. Yeah. in the Palace game. But... He's also being left on an island where he's had to make that kind of decision and every decision he, he makes isn't going to be a perfect one. Do you think do you think that we've lost that fear factor a little bit? Because um, I think that when Fabinho did really well, it was when we would just suffocate teams. I just... don't know about losing the fear factor. <laughs> like New- Newcastle, one of the issues I felt against Newcastle was that they were so cavalier in their their approach where they they pushed up that much that there was no space in midfield anyway. Like even if Thiago was there, I think we would have struggled. Don't get me wrong, I think Thiago would have alleviated a lot of issues because it's just Thiago, it's what he does. But the the matter of the fact is there's just not enough space in there and we just offered no threat in behind. I mean, this is one of the issues that people have been saying with how wide Salah and Diaz have been playing. Diaz a bit less so, but more more Salah is... He's not playing in that channel that we used to him playing in. He, he seems to be playing even further out where if you can play the ball in behind and around as Trent tends to do, I don't think Salah's going to get in as threatening the position because he's just going to get pushed out wide easily because he's got more ground to make up. And for whatever reason, like Luis Diaz, I'm not convinced is dropping deep all the time just because he's Luis Diaz. Like this isn't like this isn't football manager where he has pre-programmed moves implemented into his into his code you know he should be getting told to run in behind and he just isn't so either he isn't listening to the manager or the manager isn't telling him to one or the other um whereas Sadio Mane and 
Mohamed Salah were, were constant threats in behind. I think Diaz could be, but for whatever reason, we're not seeing that. Um, I guess Nunez has probably been brought in to add that threat where Diaz maybe may not. Maybe Diaz is that kind of Firmino replacement where he's the one of the front three dropping deep, and it's Nunez the one that making those runs that we'd be more accustomed to seeing Mane make. Who knows? But you've got to start that flexibility in the front three when those profiles aren't available, and we don't seem to have that. So we're having issues all over the place. That the 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 eights are playing so far wide. There's no actual presence in the middle of the pitch. Everything's going out wide. We seem to be obsessed with this ideal cutback goal that City have been, you know, the 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 perfect embodiment of for the last few years. And it seemed to be working in pre-season, but it hasn't been working in the season so far. I, I I think City are so good at that because they didn't have that reliance on the wide players to score in the first place. We we've gone, they've they've built their they've built their um they've built their whole attack on you know scoring from the centre. It's not like... even just that though, because City can pin you deep because there's a threat from deeper positions with De Bruyne whereas we've got to get to the byline every single time um, Elliot's been provided a bit more of a threat cutting inside but that's just putting the ball in dangerous positions it's not actually playing a killer ball whereas with City De Bruyne will play that killer ball so you've got to drop deep and compensate Yeah. Um, but I mean God forbid we don't have Kevin De Bruyne there's got to be ways around things you know we, we, we've had a quote unquote functional midfield for years now and left it up to the attack to be the ones doing the, the well the goal scoring predominantly but the fullbacks have been creating as well I just I think that's the frustrating thing about Liverpool at the minute that nobody really knows what the idea is I thought I thought we I thought we did really well second half when we made the uh, the system change. Um, I keep banging on about a system change, but I don't think four three three is working. It doesn't suit Nunes, who creates space because he's got no one there behind him actually utilizing that space. Because as you said, they're all out wide and leaving nothing in the middle of the pitch. Um. We saw him. We saw him nearly recreate Torres's goal. I mean, it's a brilliant save from Pickford. It's a brilliant effort from Nunez, and that's what he's good at pinning teams back. And you could see actually when that when he makes that run, the, the space between the lines that he creates is massive, and there was no one in it. I know we were playing a you know ball in behind, and that's fine, but there was no one looking like they were going to get into it. Second half, Firmino comes on, and I think we we, we actually create some really good chances. And Pickford, uh, Pickford has a brilliant game. Um, there's no denying that Jordan Pickford was probably the best Everton player on the pitch on 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 Saturday. And another day we score three or four, as as Klopp alluded to, that it you know, another day you win that game, it doesn't finish nil nil. Another day Everton win two nil, you know, it can happen. I think we've seen enough that we, we I mean loads of games we won last season came from changing the system halfway through and having to come from behind when we started this conceding first nonsense um, so yeah I, I don't want to keep back I think it helps Fabinho if you have you know another person doing his job next to him uh, I don't think we miss much going forward with that because you can tell that third midfielder that they are more 
you know, primarily responsible for going forward. I just think it makes us harder to to counter from through the pitch, through the middle, which we've been too, far too easy to do this season. The way with the, the midfield has seemingly been overrun and and, and attacked is just too easy. You've, you've, I know Fulham have obviously had a good start to the season, but they made it too easy. United, too easy. Uh, Newcastle obviously did it in spells. Everton did it at the weekend. The only team that hasn't really done it is Bournemouth. And, you know, I don't think we need to say anything about the quality of Bournemouth. We know their quality. And yes, they've obviously come from 2-0 down at the weekend against Nottingham Forest. But by all accounts, Nottingham Forest kicked their own heads in. Um, see, I think it's a, it's a gen, I think it's a real worry. The only game we've not really, really dominated. Sorry, the only game we have dominated is, is Bournemouth. We did with Palace in spells. But again, they, they hit you through the middle. I, I that concerns me personally that it is too easy and obviously going into a Champions League group stage it's not easy you've got Napoli away tomorrow you, you're going to go to Rangers who are going to be well up for it um, go to Ajax who have got the ability to to cut through midfield because that's the way they play so something something has to change in terms of how easy we we are to um, attack against especially when our build up play has been you know, poor at best throughout the season. Yeah, I, I do feel like um, we'll be seeing quite a bit of Laboca and, and Zambo and Gita tomorrow. I think that's a midfield that's not really the best match for us, given how we've been struggling midfield. Um, well, it'll probably be Fabinho, Milner and Elliot in all likelihood, unless he thinks Arthur is fit enough to get his debut I wouldn't really like throwing Thiago in the deep end I think we need to prioritise the yeah. league a bit at yeah. the minute I, I, looking at our fixtures I don't really see where you put um, Arthur in at the moment there's no easy game um, the only reason you might put him in against Napoli is that he is you know a, a team he's used to playing um, as in he's used to the pace of that sort of game Against you know an Italian side, and I'm not saying starting, but I'd like to think with five subs he gets 45 minutes. I mean, ultimately, it, one of his goals is to make the Brazilian squad, so he's going to have to make an impression pretty quickly yeah. to get and in the he's, team. He's been he's been very clear about that, very open about how desperate he is to impress. Obviously, there is an obligation, but not an option to buy. Was it 37 million over two years? Yeah, so it's like the option that. to buy. Um, Liverpool coming out marketing it as there is no option to buy well obviously you know we can I think we know what we want to do next summer um but yeah i don't think it's the right game to to completely change the, the system to a to a midfield two uh but we know what Klopp's like in big games he can be incredibly bizarre as you saw against everton who started that one no one expected that so not sure what happens really not sure what happens yeah, I mean, to be completely honest, I think the Napoli game could go one of two ways. I think in Europe, we sometimes fret about these away games and then we kind of see the quality difference between Liverpool and the Premier League compared to the rest of Europe. Um, I mean, you look at the game away at San Siro last year, that was a game that was billed as a bit of a struggle. And we went there, rotated and quite, won quite comfortably. So I don't know. I, I I don't know who we'll see tomorrow. I was only assuming. Um, it's been it'll be Fabinho Milner. 
Milner's playing, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Heavily hinted. But I mean, would it even shock you if Bajetic gets a start? Like, um, well, I think we could save that for the Europa League after Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, it, it really wouldn't shock me if if if, if anybody really started. Um, but one thing I wanted to note as well is the situation with the fullbacks and them getting pulled off in the last couple of games. Now, there's been a couple of rumours and rumblings on Twitter about the club basically cocking up the pre-season schedule. We played too many games, I think. That's, it's not just that, though. It's it's um, the, the fullbacks getting taken off routinely at 60 minutes does seem to indicate that Liverpool are in some kind of pre-season mode at the minute. I mean, understandably so, Matip and who came on with Matip over, over the weekend? Um, I forget. Anyway, Matip comes on, only plays 50 minutes. Nunez comes off, only plays 75 minutes. Like the, These players are clearly being pre-planned time on the pitch. Now, whether or not this is something that, that, but it it doesn't seem as though it's something that the club have done. It seems less reactive, and more pre-planned. Um, I think we have been a bit more reactive in the past to the point that we we hardly use subs to be honest until it's really late in the game. Um, but there does seem to be a lot of pre-planning of substitutions and and load management going on at the minute, and it's kind of shown in the amount of hamstring injuries we're getting. I don't know how, I don't know why, I don't know who, but it does seem as though the club are having to adjust to something that may have happened in pre-season, which I, may I, explain I, why we are I, so behind physically. I think you have to also remember we played 63 games last year and we had a four-week pre-season. You know, it was, season started early. Um, I can't, I can't, see why we wouldn't be undercooked I think you look at City they only played two games in pre-season they look a little bit fresher they could probably have a bit more time training they I don't know I don't know what the I don't know what the answer is because I'm not a yeah that, that, I, but it, it, it's, it's one of the many question marks isn't it and do you know what I'd actually rather if that is the case the club come out and say it because then it at least gives it gives the fans you get that buy-in then you get the okay, we can understand why we're not at 100%, but what they've come out is they marketed it as a brilliant pre-season. It was fantastic. We're ready for two sprints, I think they've said. The first sprint, World Cup, second sprint, rather than it being a marathon. And we've actually come out the opposite. That would suggest you'd come out fit, firing, and running, and running, and doing everything at 100%, when it seems to be doing everything at 75%. And maybe they, as you said, they've... They've miscalculated something or it's just not worked as well as they thought it would work. But if that is the case, I think a bit of honesty is nice. You don't want to obviously fuel the opposition. Um, but I think it then gives you the it gives you that time and breathing space that everyone knows, okay, we're not going to see the best of us before the World Cup. You know, we will be a different animal afterwards. And I think we're seeing it in the league this season that the league is strange this season. It's Every, I don't. I don't think. I think one of the most defensive teams in the league is West Ham. 
which is crazy. You know, West Ham have finished, what, sixth, seventh last year are being seen as the most defensive team, maybe them and Wolves. But you look at other teams and you look at the goals that have been scored, you look at some of the, the numbers, you know, City have scored 20 goals, Liverpool scored 15, Brentford have scored 15, Bournemouth have 18, I know obviously a lot of that is Liverpool, you know, Leicester 24 goals in their games. We're seeing a very open Premier League where there are slip-ups. We've had a terrible start to the season and we're five points off Man City who've already drawn two games out of six. And so, we're pretty fortunate to come back in the Palace game as well, as as amongst hmm. others. So this is a this is a strange time, but it needs a little bit more honesty. Um, whether, I don't think we'll ever get that. Um, no, we'll probably get it in hindsight of anything. We'll get it at the end of the season. We had a, we had a tough start. We got pre-season a bit wrong, but you know they're having to deal with quite a bit of pressure now. Anfield seems a very nervy place at the moment. Um, yeah, the, the the club's just got a bit of a dark cloud over it, especially with the midfield situation. Um, seeing that the club reacted last minute with the the Henderson situation, Nabicata hasn't been selected for the Champions League squad, and all this stuff, it has just led to a pretty a pretty dire situation amongst the fans, and it's just an unnecessary one to be honest. Um, you know, I was I was one of the people that thought that we'd get away with it. Um, whether that's delusion or not, fuck knows. But you know, I, I, the the club's got to realise that once you fuck up, you've got to pay. You you've got to pay a fuck up tax. <laughs> like yeah. you've got to pay a fuck up tax. You're not going to get everything right. And if you do fuck up, you've got to pay that tax. And they, they should have with Moises Caicedo, and they didn't. And they left it to the last minute to try and get something over the line. And they'll probably get it done in January. But in the short term, it could cost us. We don't know. It, it it's hard you to say know. that. I'm I'm, I'm not somebody who's gonna live in in fucking if if buts and maybes like everybody fucking else seems to be. But in, in January, you never know. He might have a better chance of Champions League football where he is. <laughs> well, not yeah, right, <laughs> But I mean, you, you know, we we could end up again in in next summer. We we could get Caicedo in January and then get Bellingham in the summer and. Everton's rosy, you know, it was just like when we got through that season without Canate, San Canate, last season Everton was great. The issue is that, again, the, the club didn't pay the fuck-up tax on Canate. They're not paying the fuck-up tax on, on Caicedo, and that's something that maybe the club need to learn to do. Because I think with, with, midfield, with the midfield as well, I think it's, it's more negligible than the, the issue we have with the defence. Yeah, the defence was just... We, 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 we said last time, didn't we, that the, the issue with the midfield is not, you know that Van Dijk's going to be back, you know Matip's going to be back, you know Gomez is going to be back. You, we also you, know you're not going to see. Injured. Thiago yeah, Cater's going. going. Jones's going to be injured. Obviously, Chamberlain's going. going. Henderson's not going to be the same player. Milner's not going to be the same player. Curtis Jones. What the fuck has happened to Curtis Jones? I don't have a fucking clue. He was back and then out again, so I don't know. Yeah. He was out for about six weeks last last year with a fucking eye injury that he sustained in training. I don't have a clue what's going on with Curtis Jones. This is the season that he needed to prove himself, and for whatever reason, he's inexplicably got injured again. Yeah, he's not. Which in the might spot. not be his fault, but at the same time, like football moves on, the club's got to yeah. move on. 
Like, yeah, Jones isn't in the squad for tomorrow. I mean, it, it, maybe Jones ends up going to Brighton as part of the Caicedo deal. You know, yeah. we know Brighton like to do these deals. They did it with them. Um, well, they tried to do it with Chelsea and, and Colwell got him on loan and ended up getting getting uh, Billy Gilmore towards the back end of the window. So you never know. Maybe they could come in for Curtis Jones in January. But it's just... The, the midfield is a mess. There's just so much dead wood in midfield that we've probably had opportunities to get rid of. We haven't took those opportunities. You know, Cater apparently had opportunities to, to leave in the summer. Um, we we might end up looking at Nat Phillips. He had opportunities to leave this summer, um, but you know he's clearly not good enough. I think we saw that in the Palace game. But again, we've we've retained these players, and um, you know we can we can't really complain when we end up with a silly amount of deadwood when we're the ones that are. Giving these players the opportunities to to stay, it's it's not necessarily just do on you, them. But do you think this experience of this season and how quickly a midfield can unravel, or a let's not let's say is the midfield for now, but a a unit can can unravel? Do you think that changes Liverpool's approach under Ward and Klopp going forward? No, no, because the 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 defensive. Don't get me wrong, as we just said, the defensive one was different, but that didn't change anything. Yeah, um, they've obviously Klopp's admitted they got it wrong um, this summer, but there's a there's a very big chance that if nothing gets done in January, we'll need three midfielders next season because you, you can't count on Milner. Chamberlain's going to go. Kate is going to go. Those three need replacing anyway, and especially if you think about Arta going back. Let's put it like that. There's a very strong, very strong probability that Liverpool will only sign two. I think that's how we'll run. Um, and you might, they might spin it as Bacetic gets a chance or you know, whoever gets a chance from the youth team. But do you think what's happened this summer, we're more likely to go and get that third midfielder or do you think it will be a case of make do? With the with the bare minimum again. Well, I mean, it 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 yeah, it depends. It it, it depends. We, we we'll see, but I I can't see it personally. I personally can't see anything in January. I don't think there'll be a deal for Caicedo, and I don't think we'll ever go. I mean, I, think... I I guess January will probably be the litmus test, won't it? Because we tried to do something in January. With the centre backs, and we didn't push it over the line. It'll be interesting to see if we do push this over the line in January because, by all intents and purposes, the Brighton are happy to do a deal and they're happy to do a deal with Liverpool, particularly. They're probably extremely happy to see how many more million they can add on before now. Well, I guess I that's p- part of the reason they're waiting, they're waiting for after the World Cup, isn't it? Hmm. Um, but but for Liverpool, in Liverpool's situation, we saw how easy it was to, to be blown out of the water by Real Madrid. What is stopping another team doing that to Caicedo and Bellingham? 
Liverpool's insistence on waiting. There was nothing stopping Liverpool buying a midfielder when they bought Nunez at that time. Nothing stopping them. Um, I mean, uh, Chermaine was just one of those players that just okay. wanted okay. Real Madrid, I think. But but do do Liverpool have to stop being so stubborn on having the perfect player? Um, because this insistence on one player, which let's face it, has not failed yet. Waiting for that player has not failed yet. But being so confident on getting that one player and then being gazumped leaves you in a huge lurch. And I'm thinking, do, does the experience of this summer where you're having to scramble around on the last few days of the window to get somebody in because you've put your, all your eggs in one basket, is that approach going to change? I guess it depends on how confident they are with the... If Man City talk they've had with Bellingham, Bellingham's if, intermediaries, to be honest. But if, Man City, if Manchester City come in for him, don't stand a chance. I don't know. And it's not inconceivable they do that if Bernardo Silva goes. I don't know. They, they, would you have said the same with Van Dijk? Um, no, because I, by all accounts, the, the options weren't there for Van Dijk. There was nobody really. I know Chelsea, I think, but that came in very late. Chelsea are probably doing what we experienced as they feel somebody a better offer was maybe offered or they were too late to it. Yeah, but, I don't know. I, I, I'm fairly confident com- we'll get Bellingham, regardless of who wants him. I, don't, I just don't think anything is done with him. I think it was quite clear that Van Dyke was done in the summer and the PR scuppered it. I think it's quite clear that Bellingham's done, to be honest. I don't know. I it's, don't know. It's, it's the most it does, seem very, it does seem like Harland City. That nobody yeah, it's, it's like the most unspoken it. transfer in football right now, I feel. It, it is due Bellingham to Liverpool. As you said, it's, it was similar to Harland to City. And I'm sure we'll, we'll probably hear similarly to the Harland to City rumours that bloody... I don't know, Real Madrid will, are going to bid for him, just like we heard about Bayern Munich bidding for Haaland, Real Madrid bidding for Haaland, and I think that put City fans through the emotional ringer a bit, but you know, ultimately they got older, and I think it'll be the same with, 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 with Bellingham. Um, is, there a, is there a release clause for Bellingham? No. So we're going to have to spend upwards of £100 million on him? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. But again, this is one of those unspoken things that amongst the Liverpool journalists I just don't think spending £100 million on one player fixes everything and I think how do Liverpool justify I don't think it does either but it's it's future proof from the squad isn't it Mm. really it just seems the most un-Liverpool deal out there I think yeah I don't know. I I feel like you got I, I I personally don't don't understand the thought process behind it. I feel if, like if we were you, waiting for a release clause of seventy million, like a city did, I can understand why I've waited. But waiting an extra season to still spend that hundred million, I I just don't understand it. I feel like you. I think, yeah. I think you could. I think you could attempt Dortmund this season. I don't know. I, 
we we've heard it all before from Dortmund, and they've they've stuck to the guns. To be fair, um, but you 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 you're buying your captain for about <laughs> ten, maybe fifteen years with Bellingham. I feel. Um, It'd be interesting to see what sort of role he he plays. Does he do we stick with this right midfield and then what? Well, he's there? pretty perfect for that right midfield role. That's that's the thing. And I mean, what do you do with Harvey Elliott? Well, because he's made that his own thing. Well, I'm 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 not too sure. Maybe Elliott moves over to the left. I don't know. Um, I don't know why we're so insistent on having a left footer on the right side. Anyway, I don't know why we're so to insistent be playing on playing this wild right centre mid role that makes us worse. In my opinion, I don't think we're yeah. better for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I think Bellingham is is tailor made for that right centre mid role. To be honest, he's 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 really mobile. He can make those runs into the box that we don't have at the minute. I must be honest. I've probably not watched a single game of Dortmund where he's played. So and I, he's I, got I, an absolute engine on him. I mean, to be fair, like I mean, some of the stats profiles have him profiling like Bernardo Silva, and. You know, if you put Bernardo Silva at that right centre mid, don't get me wrong, Bellingham's right footed, Bernardo Silva's left footed, so it's a bit different. But so if, if, we, sign, if we sign Bellingham and Caicedo, do do you go for one more? You personally? It depends on what the situation with Jones would be, I guess. But if you take into account the caters probably going last year, the contract not available, Chamberlain's probably going to go. Thiago is going to be what 31, 32, and not dependable. Henderson 31, 32, Milner 37. It Fabinho, also depends on how the club rate Bacetich as well. Mm. Could you see maybe trying to extend Arta's loan for one more year? Um, not if you, not if you're spending the money on Caicedo. I think they'll have had a different profile. I think, I think we need to sign midfielders that can do. A lot of things rather than specialise in one because I think that's our issue. Is that I think lack. I say they can, but I think yeah. if I think Bellingham can, personally. if you get Bellingham one. and if you get Kaisei, though, I think you need more of a six. Then, unless they do somebody who can share time with 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 Fabinho and be a bit of a different profile to Fabinho, because we do have those games where the ball gets to Fabinho in the middle of the park and he's like a bit of a black hole. Um. So I th- I'd like to see more of a like what what game was it was it I think it might have been I think it might have been the Newcastle game and I was looking at it and I'm not Ruben Neves' biggest fan and I wouldn't sign Neves but it was at the time we were getting linked with him and I was thinking to myself I would take Neves his skill set yeah where Fabinho is in this game because I th- I think it would suit us down to a team now. Thiago brings that when he plays because he drops deeper into that half space. Well, they become a two, don't they, if Thiago plays? They become a natural two. Yeah. Um, you've got an absolute... You've got ball chasers currently playing there, Milner and Henderson, who don't really understand, or don't seem to understand tactical discipline. And they want to be the your archetypal British bulldog in midfield. And it, that, that's upset the balance for me. But I also think as a coach, Jurgen Klopp should be telling these players what 
he expects of them. The, the, think... This is the thing about the the team looking like they're having a bit of a, a bit of an identity crisis. Like we don't know whose team this is. It it feels like one week. If it, it, it feels like it's Jurgen Klopp players playing Pep Linders' way. I think Klopp needs to take more control from from what we're here. What I read in this, you know, propaganda that is intensity. There's a lot of me, me, me in there. I think we've, we've discussed it a lot. But he seems to take a lot of credit for what's happened. I'm not saying he's not doesn't deserve that credit. I think he should because I, I, I mean, I've given him a lot of praise, but maybe it's gone that step too far. Yeah, I think Klopp is the manager in this in this team. It should, he should be dictating what happens, and it seems like he's being pushed more and more as a mouthpiece and a almost godlike figure that, that is all knowing and all present who just hangs over it all whereas i think before it was you know linders was given a bit of rain to to do stuff but it was all in klopp's blueprint sort of thing and i just think more con- there needs to be more control because what i've noticed quite a lot this season is klopp just seems to be annoyed at everything that he sees he's been really irritable this season about what he's seeing and so have I, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think so, we, almost, we all have. But it's almost like it's not what he's asked them to do. It's not what he wants to see. Yeah, he definitely said that in the... Was it the Palace game? Where he was basically saying, like, they're, they're just not doing what I've asked them to do, essentially. Yeah. Which is, which is are, they doing, what... are, they, are they doing what he's asked them to do, though? Well, yeah, it, it, it provokes even more questions, which is what I was saying with Diaz earlier. It's like, is Diaz just not listening to Klopp, or is he being told... To drop deeper and not make these runs in behind. I mean, I can't see him being told not to make runs in behind, which, which feels weird. He doesn't um, trust the midfield to build up. The... Well, yeah, the, and the, there's umpteen reasons. Players police themselves a lot of the time on the pitch, but I see it at the grassroots level. I know it's it's not a it's not a uh, comparable thing, but you could tell a player in my team. Their their job is to run in behind. Their job is to, and the, the midfield's job is to get sending the ball. But they can they know themselves if they see that person on the ball, they think, oh fucking hell, he's not gonna he's not gonna do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs to do it myself here. And I think that's the sort of thing we're seeing a little bit. There, there needs to be a little maybe a bit more trust in each other. There does there seems to be a bit of a split in terms of what each player wants to see from the club. But we saw Van Dyke was was very outspoken about signing another midfielder. And you may be starting to see that there's there's a portion who are enjoying being in the team, having their status, and there seems to be a section that wants to get better and wants to win everything. And I'm sure they all want to win everything, but there's this how we get there. There's there's the evolution and then there's the you know, rip it up and start again sort of attitude and no room for sentiment and there's the sentimentalists. Um and they've got to pick a way, and everyone's got to be on board with that way. I do think we've probably been a little bit too sentimental. Klopp always has been. You look at his Dortmund side that was um, at the end. You'd have Sebastian Kell playing most weeks. He was 35, and he was the person I thought, I was like, please don't. Henderson become this person. And he has. 
he's still too relied on for what he offers. Yeah, I think I think part of that is what makes Klopp Klopp though. That's the issue. Is he is this uber faithful guy, and that's what makes players trust him as much as they do, and that's what makes players run through walls for him like they do. I well, think run, if he was this kind run, of, they run through walls for him so much they can no longer run through walls for him. Yeah, Henderson can't play like that anymore because of what he's done in the past. If he was this machinistic kind of guy that a lot of our fans seem to want him to be, then he wouldn't be Jurgen Klopp. Uh, we've got to we've got to be realistic here. I mean, I, I was I was thinking of it in the transfer window towards the towards the back end of the window because I was thinking when these Caicedo rumours were going around, maybe Jones is part of a swap deal. But then you think about it on the human level of. Could you imagine if Curtis Jones on that transfer deadline they had no inkling that Liverpool were looking to use him as part yeah. of a deal? Yeah. And then Liverpool turned around to him and went, you're going to Brighton. You've got to show up for training tomorrow. You've got to go down to your medical now. Like, just at a click of a fingers like that. Like, I don't think people quite do understand the human level of football because of... I don't know whether it's because of the way social media is. I don't know how whether it's because of how you know it, it's reported on. But there is a genuine human level to football that I don't think people really have an appreciation of. I, I like that. I think it's great that that's what we are. But I think when do you make that decision of that it it starts affecting the sporting level? No, I, I get that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a world-class football manager. I probably couldn't do that balance myself. In an ideal world, James Milner wouldn't be playing in games at Old Trafford they wouldn't be playing the games at, at Goodison at, at, at the age he's at now but in an ideal world I'd, I'd want James Milner around the Liverpool squad personally um, but again as you were saying and it, it, is it a clock reliance thing or is it just really bad injury luck as well do you know I, I I made the comparison on Twitter the, the, the other day that people keep on making this point of this is why Guardiola's better than Klopp. This is why Guardiola's better than Klopp. Meanwhile, you've got 36-year-old Fernandinho getting fucking why, megged at right back by Vinicius it's Guardiola, Jr. It's why Guardiola's players fall out with him more. Look at Sterling. I, no, that, that that's fine, but it bit Guardiola on the arse literally last year. You had Fernandinho at 36 years of age playing at right back for fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah. Like, this, is what this is what I'm saying in support of Klopp, that Guardiola is more ruthless. It's why people don't they don't like him when they leave. Yeah, but as much as Guardiola is ruthless, he is. And he'll accept when people want to leave the club, as will Klopp, I believe. I think that's what we're seeing with Keita now. The, the thing is, though, is Guardiola is also guilty of it. The managers have favourites, believe it or not. Like It, it, it happened. I hate it. I, I, I hate it. But again, it's part of the human level of football that you've got to have some understanding of or you've got to appreciate it in some way and people don't um and yeah i mean yeah i i i i wouldn't want james Milner to be part of the Liverpool squad from next year onwards because purely on a footballing level he just serves no purpose <laughs> um i does think he, does he do the does he do the jay spearing role next year well yeah, ideally, but I don't think he will. I, I think he'll he'll go elsewhere, and you know we might see him in the future as, as a coach. 
He'll be a I lead. I don't even think he'll make it at Leeds. Fuck me, could you imagine? Oh, I think they'd love him there, though, for one Fucking hell. He'll play right back at Leeds, like fucking yeah. Luke Aylan. I'll tell you what, it is really nice not talking about how crap we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, we like, Jordan Anderson... Chelsea are, because they're 1-0 down to Zagreb. I know, they're 1-0 down to Zagreb. <laughs> but good. Henderson will, will be the next one to take up that role in the squad, and he won't be good enough to, to play every week. But... Uh, I, I think having these players around the squad is invaluable. And I think Arsenal fans are seeing this as well now. Where Arteta's building this this atmosphere around the club and, and having these leaders in the dressing room and stuff like that. It's it's something that I think due to the Twitter generation was was kind of belittled and it was, you know, ultimately the uber technical amazing footballers are what win, win you football games. And that is obviously <laughs> plays a part of 95% of winning things you know I'm, I'm under no illusions otherwise but I think the best teams have uber talented leaders and uber talented personalities in their team and Liverpool had that for the better part of the last five six years and we've got to make sure with the likes of Bellingham I think that We've got that for the next five, ten years in this next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, good luck to the likes of Bellingham controlling Darwin Nunez over those years. Fuck me. But um, but yeah, it, it, it that is also something that the club have got to to look at is bringing the right personalities in. They they've done it with the likes of Canate. They've done it with the likes of Elliot. I think Elliot's really, really matured. Thank God. Yeah. Um, recently, uh, I mean, uh, Elliot always seems to make make a real thing of of giving kids the shirts after after each game, which I love. It's it's a really nice touch from him. Um, and you know, just making sure that we 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 get the right personalities and people as well as um as, as the right player profiles, and I think that that could be part of why the club is so picky. I mean, we saw um Dr. Ian Graham. He he made a, a a quote. I forget. I don't know whether it was from a stats bomb conference, and it was along the lines of, you know, if a player doesn't have fitness issues. If a player doesn't have this issue, he, he equals X amount of expected fucking goal difference. But he he also made um a specific mention of of if the personality side of things come back, the personality checks and all all the character references and stuff like that come back, all well and good as well. And this is. I, these are guys that don't even watch football because they don't want to be biased. So for them to be also taking that kind of things into consideration, it shows how thoughtful Liverpool are when it comes to this kind of thing. And hopefully um, we can replace these guys going forward. But yeah, as you said, I think we are a bit too reliant on them now. But is it bad injury? I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's bad injury luck? Or is, is it yeah, just yeah, we are reliant on these guys? Thiago and Jones are in that. That well, and Cater are in that team um, over them. I think that's fair to say. But I think if it had been Thiago and Cater's first injuries now, you accept it. I think you accept the position you're in. I will accept it's... anything with Thiago because Thiago is an absolute fucking joy. Yeah, you accept. You accept. But we need a backup. Your... Yeah, you accept you're only going to get 25 league games out of Thiago, probably. But when his 
the one who plays when he doesn't is just is more injury prone. You you look you look at the club and you think, okay, that's fine, but is the problem? I'm not saying the problem is we're reliant on Henderson because I think with all he's committed to the club since 2012. It's brilliant. It's fantastic. You know, you don't want a better captain. Are we too reliant on Naby Keita, for instance? Or are we too reliant on Curtis Jones? Ooh, it's unfair okay. to label it, to, to label the, the older ones as the issue. It's not their fault they're in the 30s. It's not their fault they can't do it as much as they can. But are, are we too reliant on younger ones not being available enough to, to make a difference? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think we've done a really good job of avoiding how shit Liverpool are at the minute, anyway, Josh. Yeah, I, I think we've done a really good job of that. What a service! What a service! <laughs> if you've if you've come for match analysis and tactical insight, you're in the wrong place. But I mean, I was saying to you, wasn't I? We're a podcast for winning Liverpool. I was saying to you before the pod, though. It's like it's it feels like you're just ranting on about the same things when we shift. I mean, it's been really nice not to talk about how crap the midfield were in a certain game for, for half an hour. And yeah. Well, the fullbacks just didn't create yeah. enough. I mean, look, we are bringing you your top red respite. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Every um, Tuesday we sit down here, we sit here and I guess make your lives. It's um, it's it's prediction time. I mean, we'll get chains predictions. Let me open. Well, he's off doing remember. fucking adult child. Not enough has been mentioned. Things. Not enough has been mentioned of Shane saying we'd beat Bournemouth one nil. I know, from yeah. A from a penalty. I mean, I, I can't agree with them. To be fair. Um, but go on. So what? Um, what, what? What's your Napoli we position? Do, we need to do two, don't we? We need to do. Yeah, we need to do Napoli and Wolves. Wolves. I'm going to say uh, 1-1. Oh, I was going to say 1-1 Napoli. Fuck. I very rarely predict draws because last time I did it was away at Brighton and it didn't happen. So. Um, I should put it as text. Yeah, 1-1. One, one. I'm going to go... I'm going to go... See, I would have gone RCB if it wasn't Joe Thomas. Um... I haven't really, I haven't really said my anti-Joe Gomez propaganda, have I really? No. But I rattled, I, I pissed people off with that. My, um, my anti-Joe oh. Gomez, and not, not not quite anti-Joe Gomez tweet. I, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to go Milner penalty. You don't think Salah will play? No. Well, I'm, I'm saying Milner's taking the penalty. All right, okay. Got um, just a fine playing, Dave. One one. Can I go Salah? Who was my last? Who was my last goal scorer? Who did you say for Bournemouth? Can you remember? Yeah, I don't think you said Salah because we both. I got don't points. think you said Salah. No, because Shane said Salah. Shane was the only yes. one who didn't get a goal scoring point. So I go Salah Pen. Oh, we one, get an exploders point if it is a penalty. Yeah, why not? Yeah, and, um, and then Wolves. So I go. I'll go 2-0 Wolves. Fuck off. <laughs> Diaz. You say 2-0 Wolves? No, sorry, 2-0 Liverpool. <laughs> sorry, fuck. 
2 0 Liverpool Diaz, against Diaz Wolves. OG. Diaz OG. Diaz. Uh, I'm going to have a repeat of the last game of the season and say 3 1, and Wolves score first, and Anfield is a cesspit of. Fuck that, man. Disgrace. Oh. And I'm going to say Elliot. Elliot 3 1. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, okay. I just okay. can't see Wolves scoring. Shit. I think we both got a point in the last game. Um, like, Wolves are just so blunt. It feels yeah, no it's it's the most Wolves thing ever. To it's not even no striker though. It's that midfield man. It's proper well, fucking. The likes of Neto Regista, and Regista. <laughs> the likes of Neto and Podence in behind us. They always look so blunt because they're up against teams that just defend. They always look so blunt because they play in front of them, though. Mm. Like, I bet, I bet you, you'll see Neto doing fucking 60 yard sprints back this weekend. Because they did it against Tottenham as well. They had Podence playing like a fullback. Reckon... Uh, Podence, uh, they had Neto playing like a wingback. I reckon Neto gets in behind and puts them one up. No, remember when he had that disallowed goal and it proper rattled him and the Wolves fans? Yes, yes. And that was the was that the same game Lalana off his arm slash his shoulder. So they oh, were... no, oh, I don't know. I think I, I think that was just before his injury as well. That's a different one. Yeah, yeah. different. Well, they, they got they they thought they got screwed over twice. Anyway, I don't have a clue how we've managed to get an hour out of this, by the way. But we have just chatting also wham. Because we're good at what we do. But there we go. Um, it's been an emotional one, Josh. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if Liverpool are in Jesus any a better Christ, position. Who have we got next week? Is it? It's Chelsea away, Chelsea. isn't it? Yeah. Don't think we've got a midweek game. Oh, haven't we? Is it just or Chelsea is it, away? Or is it? Is it the Carabao? No, the Carabao's not until November. All oh, right. Yeah, I know. Fucking. It's not another Champions League game, is it? I think it is. Is it Rangers? Tyax. Tyax at home. I, I still need to try and get a ticket for that fucking. That will, that will be Tuesday, won't it? Yeah, I've got to try and get a ticket for that. Right, might have to record a bit earlier. Yeah, well, we'll sort it. Right, anyway, it's been the emotional one. Yes, as Follow always. us on the socials. Yeah. Um, Please do. We're stuck on like 65 followers. It's really boring. I know. To be fair, we don't really tweet that much. No. I reckon, while Shane's out, out the pod game, I reckon Shane should take over admin duties. Um, All time, get us some hashtag numbers, yeah, as he does. Um, but yeah, and we will know if Sh- we will know if Shane's listened. I know, yeah, he doesn't yeah. listen, he doesn't listen. He's 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 I don't when you do it, to be fair. He's so. a pretender. Oh, oh, all right, sounds lovely advert for the pod, <laughs> uh, right? Anyway, emotional, etc. Up the reds, goodbye. See you next time.